Don't even, Janice. Come on now. Hey, enough. You and these half-hearted suicide efforts, spit it out. Actor, designer, and activist Dana Leotold shoots on St. James, Winnipeg. I watched this guy do up here in Manitoba. It's the Manitoba Money Shot Podcast with me, Ronald George Moore. Are you or someone you know in need of entertainment for wedding socials, sporting events, or film festivals? Are you or someone you know having an adult birthday party and looking for an icebreaker? If you said yes, call me, Carol Christopher Walken Dirksen. Professional Christopher Walken Impressionist. Not an impersonator. Not an impersonator. I'm the guy from the TV news that legally changed his name to Christopher Walken and then sued by Christopher Walken to change it back. I'm the best impressionist available. Ignore the Yelp reviews. They're bullcrap written by jealous people. At the event, I will wear either A, a military costume, or B, a suit similar to the one that Christopher Walken wore in the Fat Boy Slim video. I do not dance. No dancing. $80 for half an hour or $100 for an hour rents you the best Christopher Walken impression available today. Also required is transportation to and from the event from my apartment building. And a bottle of gin that I don't have to finish. I can take home what I don't drink. Don't worry, I'm not driving. You are, or someone you know. Also, no more benefits. I do not perform for free anymore. Don't come up and ask me to do Christopher Walken. I am a professional impressionist. No more freebies. Call my 24-hour hotline, 1-800-924-5361. That's 1-800-WALKEN-1. And ask for me, Carol Dirksen, the impressionist formerly known as Christopher Walken. And I can legally call myself that. And don't watch that YouTube video, all right? That's not me. Whoever uploaded that to the internet is a real piece of human garbage right there. You've heard the rest. Now, try the best. Whoa, he is good. Hey. Hi, I know you, don't I? You're a listener of the Manitoba Money Shop podcast with Ronald George Moore. That's me. Yeah, I go up and I go down, my voice. Um, thank you very much for uh, checking us out, for listening, for tuning in. Today's show is the amazing Dana Leotold. She is inc- an incredible person, a dear friend. I've known her a, a long time now. And uh, she is a, a very respected actor in this city, Um being on film and, and uh, television and, and stage, uh, music videos, uh, the list goes on and on. Um, in fact, that uh, the clip at the beginning of the show is from 2009, a show she did called Prairie Spirits at the Winnipeg Fringe Festival, and she talks a little bit about it during the, uh, the conversation. And if you want to know what kind of uh, VIP guest we, guest we get here... Um, Dana actually won Outstanding Performance by a Female Artist in a Short from Actra Manitoba. Huh? How about that? Dirt off the shoulder? And that's from, uh, yeah, 2018. Did I say that? Jeez, I don't know. She won that for a short film called The Interrogation M.A. that she stars in, along with her husband, all right, Carl Thordenson, and... uh, Yeah, it's a great little thing. If you go to the Twitter account, capital M, capital B, capital M, Unishot, on Twitter, uh, I set up a link to that Vimeo site or to see the short film. It's all up there on uh, Vimeo. So uh, please check it out. Um, This whole thing is on uh, Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on uh, Stitcher. You can hear us on iTunes and feel free to rate five stars and and comment. Please, any feedback is always welcome, negative, positive. I don't care. Ask a question, I'll answer it. Also, subscribe on SoundCloud. Yeah, we're on SoundCloud and got a whole whack of episodes with uh, some very cool Manitobans. And I should have that Patreon page up that I've been talking about for so long. Um, You know, it feels like the equivalent of 
standing on a street corner going, Ugh, spare some change, buddy, you know. But uh, like everything, there are expenses and they need to be paid. So um, if you uh, commit yourself to donating, donating <laughs> a little money every month, that would be awesome. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. More shows in the future coming. The best people. Peace. We're rolling. Yeah. 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 We're rolling. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Daily daughter. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Matt's Home Money Shop Podcast. All right, let's get to the let's get to the basics here. Mm-hmm. Where were you born? Were you born in Manitoba? I was born in Winnipeg, yeah. Oh, in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Very nice. The Misericordia Hospital. You're born at the Miz? Yeah. Okay. I so currently I, live like a five-minute walk away from where I was born. Were you living at that near that hospital too? No. I uh, My family lived in St. James. I grew up in St. James. Okay. Um, but And so did my mom and, and dad. Well, my mom was more of the West End, but all of her family, like their doctors were actually at the Misericordia. I think there was a time, I could be wrong, where your family doctor might have been there too. I seem to remember going... To that area for for doctor visits anyway too later yeah. on in life to Wolseley um, yeah this is Wolseley yeah like the Misericordia Hospital which is now an eye care center or something it's not it's a- also <laughs> very popular with film sets or like yeah, to film there I I've always see movie trucks too, yes. you have yeah yeah <laughs> this is where I was born in I this know, room yeah and I think my mom was born there and I think that maybe even my could it be my grandma was born there too. Anyway, there's a family history at the Misericordia Absolutely, Hospital. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. In St. James, did you stay in the same house or were you moving around Winnipeg? We didn't. We weren't like a family that moved around a lot necessarily. I uh, I was born uh, when my family lived on Moorgate Street. And I have a recollection of living there until I was about two. Actually, my first memory, two first memories are from that house still. I remember falling down the stairs oh, and my mom being at the bottom. I remember just like how you, like a kid would roll, I guess. I was, Mom's face stairs, mom face stairs, face stairs, face stairs. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I remember right going on. to the bottom. Uh, and I also remember my mom used to let me play in her car on the driveway mm-hmm. and uh, like just by myself. Just and, and, uh, car, yeah. yeah, and I guess I would have been like playing like I'm driving. So I put the car in what was probably neutral and rolled down. The, and I remember hearing oh, a honk yeah. and I would have been little enough. I was standing on the front driver's seat with my hands on the wheels. So I, I wasn't sitting, I was standing on it. <laughs> it right. was very little. And, uh, and turned to see this truck that was trying to get around the car, but I had like rolled back and it was in the middle of the street. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess there's a honking and my mom comes running out. She was in the kitchen, which faced the back of the house. Like not, not even right. watching, of course. So it wasn't a dude slamming on the brakes trying to avoid you. I don't you. think so. I you think I would have rolled out. in the I street. Think so. Yeah, a little bit of an inconvenience. Yeah, and I wouldn't have been looking. I you know didn't know to shoulder check, so I, I wasn't looking to <laughs> see <laughs> that anyone was coming. I would have just been excited the car was moving. I didn't yeah, like, realize it could be a situation. What elementary would that have been? Like well, you're attending. We moved from there to then Athlone Drive, and I went to Athlone School. So still in St. James, I did spend a lot of time at Living Prayer Museum. Uh, which was right. like right around the corner from my house. I'd go with friends sometimes, or just by myself, just walk through the woods and and uh, uh, head to the an old foundation of a house that was back in there. But but um, but other things I did in St. James, uh, there was a Dairy Queen at the corner of Ronald and Portage, right by Woodhaven. Still, still there, still there. Yeah. Um, and I would go there in the summers. I would hang out by myself very often, uh, and my <laughs> grandma would be at home with me. Like my my parents would have my grandma come and live with us sometimes if uh, um, if need be. Right. On summer vacation, especially, I wasn't a daycare kid, and uh, but then I would just spend the days by myself. I'd leave the house if I wasn't watching um, some sort of daytime TV. I'd just go out walking around by myself. So I had a habit one summer of going to the Dairy Queen and then sitting on the top of the monkey bars at this little park that was right by Cinnabine Clinic, like on Bruce or Lodge Avenue or something, right, right on Ronald I, Street. Okay, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and I would sit there and I would eat like I think it was like this. It was when. Dairy Queen had heart ice cream and it was chocolate ice cream with like a peanut butter sauce maybe, but it was a chocolate peanut butter situation with some like whipped cream on top and some like yeah, chocolate crunchy Yeah, not a things. parfait. No, it wasn't no, a parfait, it's different I think. That. Once in a while, like I'd phone a friend and we'd go and hang out and play in, in the field or something. Yeah, but it was um, a lot of playing outdoors. A lot of playing outdoors for sure. Like whether it's in my front yard or backyard or in the schoolyard, which is right across the street. Um, yeah, there was lots of, lots of hanging outdoors for sure. Very cool. Mm-hmm, lots of bike riding. 
uh, just like around the streets in my neighborhood. I would just ride around. And as I got older, I'd ride out to the old drive-in and I would like sneak under the fence and I would just sit on the ground and listen to the movie. The old drive-in. Yeah. Uh, down me. at the end, past the perimeter on yeah. Portage there. Yeah. Really? You yeah. had to hang out that drive-in? I did. Yeah. I'd ride my bike by myself. My mom right. freaked out when she found out I was taking my That's bicycle. That's kind of far from... Well, it was a bit of a ride. There was some little tiny building that maybe was like a, a mechanic shop uh, out just off on the highway. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I would lock my bike up to a railing they had there and then I would walk through the field because the way to sneak into the drive-in Whoa. is you had to, there was one point where the there was enough room beneath the fence, between the bottom of the fence and the ground yeah. where you could just like wiggle your way under. But how do you hear the movie? Well, because it was before that the, it was on the radio. Instead, there was just these oh, little speakers, the speakers on the stand. You'd put it in the yeah. window and roll yeah. up the window so it stays. Exactly. Oh, yeah. right. And so I could just sit at the back on my bum on the gravel and just hear the movie still. Because all, all the speakers were on. I, or I guess maybe I'd turn the volume up on one or something. Yeah. But Do you remember could, what movies that you saw uh, at that time? No, I don't. I think one of the last ones I saw was a double feature. It was a great double feature. It was... Uh, Charlie's Angels 2 and Terminator 3, <laughs> something like that. It was, I was just Neat. like, yeah, sweet. Yeah. yeah, cool. you have any memories of elementary that stand out for you? I remember finding out the school got broken into one summer because I would play around Athlone School. Yeah. Um, and I only went there until grade three because I went to French Immersion after that. But that's a different school. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but, okay. It's, but I do remember of Athlone School um, walking by the one of the doors in the summertime playing with my friends and going, wait a minute, that, that door has been broken. The window, the the glass on the door was shattered. Was shattered. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and that was sort of my, my claim to fame going to that school. So I got back <laughs> in the fall hero. and everyone was like, the school got broken into over the summer. And did you know that Dana's the one that found it reported it and I felt really good about myself. You're like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can be my friend if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If I let I, you. It still didn't work. I had no friends. Well, I guess because you also went to two schools or, or in, the, in elementary. Yeah. Well, I, I, I did have some everyone. friends for sure. I had like some neighbor kids I played with, but I think up until grade three, like, and I find that with my kids as well. They don't. They didn't really have. They don't have like close friends at that age. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of friends who kind of hang out sometimes, and you get to go to a few birthday parties in the year. But it's not necessarily. Um, you know, I, I wasn't phoning people yet and talking on the Definitely phone. Definitely not evenings phoning. And, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but I went to then Bannatine School because I wanted to do French immersion. Uh, I remember they you, came. You, really? Yeah, you they came, did. Yeah. At that age, wanted to learn French. I had to convince my parents to let me go. They came and did a presentation at Athlone School, and if you uh-huh. want, you can go to French immersion and do all your schooling in French. And and we'd taken a French class. I knew a little bit about French, uh, and I just thought that'd be really great. And my parents were like, "What? What do you mean? You want to change schools? Well, your your school's across the street. Why would you want to go somewhere different and in yeah. French? Are you serious? How?" Uh, and I really wanted to go. They took me to the information night, and I was like, "Yes, I do want to go here." Um, and it was my dad's elementary school too, Bannatine. So that was kind of well, just nostalgic, cool. and it was kind of cool that way. Yeah. Um, and so I went there from grades four to six. In any of those years, did you? Have like a first acting role. I did. I, at grade six, I auditioned for the school play just because that's what you did. What play? That I don't remember, but ah. I know I played the mom. And uh, my only memory of it was standing on stage and feeling like it's sort of everything go white. You know, you're like you're looking at the lights and you can sort of see the crowd yeah. and just the sense of uh, like like my ability to hear anything kind of went away. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> see very well. Oh, no. And I was like, I don't think, you think I you like froze? this. Yeah, you definitely and I, and I don't. I don't Whoa. know if I was supposed to say something or not because I think I was that lost. I think I felt that lost up there that I was like, I don't. I've got a really bad feeling. I know I'm wearing slippers and an apron and like my mom's dress for a costume. There's yeah. a bunch of people watching. I probably should be saying something right now. I just, I, I wasn't into it. It didn't. <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, what kind of a student were you? Oh, I was I was a good student. I was well. I I was really good when I was younger. I was like top of the honor roll, junior high. I was like it was me and some guy in English track I never even met, but I remember. <laughs> I but like, he was oh, the guy, guy you had to be. Yeah, apparently he wore like Hawaiian shirts or something. I always tried to figure out who he was. <laughs> well, you had and, spies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> his name now, but it was always like the honor roll would come out and it was always my name second. And this other guy in English was first all the time. And, uh, and so it was a little silent competition between me and this guy who I'd never met. Um, so I was a good student. Uh, and then went into grade 10 into high school, went to Silver Heights for a year for grade 10. And, uh, and I just started to get really interested in, in other things like boys and drinking. Boys. Yeah. (laughs) Very very cool. Well, I guess Uh, that's around the age you start dating, right? In high school, somewhere in there. Yeah, and I was like, since I was little, I was always really eager to grow up. Like, 
I yeah, and I, I would pretend to pour shots of milk and water for myself. Like for <laughs> I would, I'd watch <laughs> Dallas. Like, well, my because I'd watch primetime TV with my parents. Yeah, and uh, we watched Dallas and Falcon Crest and the Ted Bundy miniseries. Like this was my <laughs> experience of what life was going to be like. Oh, that's how you make a, a gin and tonic or yeah. <laughs> do shots um, of milk. Is absolutely, hilarious. and I was so easily influenced by all that. I think I, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember I made myself a line of sugar and tried to get it in my nose. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> it hurt so much. <laughs> and it was super sticky. I was like, what do I do with this? <laughs> so what, how old were you when you first had booze? When, uh, grade 10. I think like I, I first started smoking cigarettes in grade 9. Mm-hmm. Um, the butt wall. And yeah, yeah. But like not, not really a smoker. I would try just because I felt it's something I should do. Like it was mm-hmm. a rite of passage. I had a, I had a this goal of mine too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was awful. I hate it. I felt super sick. I didn't like it. But mm-hmm. I was the kind of person who would have forced myself to get over those head rushes so I could become a smoker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even if it kills it's me. awful, yeah. Me too, Will. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my mom was a smoker growing up. But I, when I was younger, I'd hide her cartons. Like I didn't... Uh, you know, I didn't think it was cool when she did it, yeah. but then there came a time where I was then just stealing her cigarettes and I would just smoke in the house because yeah. no one noticed that anyone else was, uh, in addition yeah. to the smoke in the house, there was any more smoke. Right, so right, right. I'd so hang out and watch myself do. smoke in a mirror and look how cool I was. It was, it was very vain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was great. And then booze the grade 10. Step? Yeah. And I would have started doing like drugs in grade 11. Grade 11. Yeah. 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 Grade twelve heroin. Uh, I never, I never done that. Never done that. But uh, but what I did do though is uh, when I turned eighteen, because uh, I had, like I didn't know how to celebrate my eighteenth birthday. I've been doing all these sort of illicit <laughs> things. For, I've tried everything I wanted to try, and uh, and so when I turned eighteen, I was driving down the Ness Avenue one day, and I was like, huh, I don't only video. I could work in porn. That's what I can't do until you're eight. Like, because they really do need your ID. So, right. Right. <laughs> so I, I started working at adults only video stores um, when I was 18. That was really? my, yeah, yeah. I applied as a joke. I didn't, you know, I just thought it was a funny thing to do. Like, because we kept saying, how are you going to celebrate your 18th birthday? Well, I've been going to the bar since I was 15. Like, I didn't, there right. was no, <clears throat> there was no thing to do that was celebratory in that way, you know? Exactly. Um, so I was like, huh, I thought it would be yeah. kind of funny if I, I could say I work 18. in porn. No, yeah. I'm 18. <laughs> So what yeah. was that like? It was it was hilarious. It was like, and I wasn't, I didn't know about the world of porn before that. I just found myself like walking into a store going, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I was actually like gag at some of the box covers. I don't covers. know how much <laughs> of a world of porn there was in Winnipeg at the time. Because everything well, up until then, I don't even think, until adults only video, I don't remember video, like the video cassettes that I remember in high school that were there, they were at the video store, but they weren't mm. necessarily displayed were like soft porn videos right. where it's like you can't see intercourse. And then as soon as that law was passed, adults only video, boom, mm. they popped up everywhere in the city. Yeah, yeah. There were many locations. And I became manager before too long. Uh, so I started working there, which you was funny and up. weird. And I did. like. Right? <laughs> this has um, got to be what, 90? Somewhere in the 90s, right? Yes. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born in 75. And so it would have been by like, yeah, by about 90, 93 that I was, uh, okay. I was 18. Yeah. Any confrontations that you had to deal with as far as like no, uh, my, arguments? The, not, not, no arguments at all. No. Uh, I think dudes. I was so innocent. Like I, despite having had like such a, a wild teenagerhood, I still was very innocent about things. Like I, I didn't understand that the men mostly, it's mostly men, mm-hmm. um, renting movies would ever even see me in, in, in such a way, you know, that I, I really, oh, really just kind of thought, yeah. And, and then one day it kind of dawned on me. I was like, oh, and I, and I, of course, was wearing like a, a way too short dress, like things that probably weren't very professional really to be working in a store, but not, not thinking about it, not trying to get attention. That's just yeah. how I dressed. And, uh, and then I, when I started managing for them, I was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I need to take this seriously. So I started wearing like men's three piece suits. I would go to Value Village and get like a three piece, like 60s or 1970s suit and then get it altered. I would get 70s it, for sure. Yeah. 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 And I would go to a tailor cool. and get it taken in. So I'd wear like <laughs> a suit to work. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did want to play against it. Then I realized, okay, I'm actually here to do a job, and uh, and sales mattered. It was like a, a a company where you had to like sell a certain amount of stuff. Um, you had a baseline every every okay. shift. Yeah, it was, it's really? a corporate retail company. Like you yeah. could have got fired for that if you didn't pull I in the money. Got let go. Yeah. So and the pressure of that. Then I became a Ooh. monstrous manager. I started managing uh, locations around the city. They would send me to a location every time it was doing poorly sales wise. Wow, um, yeah. you're like the fixer. Yeah, yeah. But then I started to take it really seriously, and I had an employee quit on me once. A man who was probably like. 
15 years older than me who'd worked there forever mm-hmm. um, because I was so serious about I, I went away on like for two days or something and I came back to the store and all these things weren't done and I was the kind of and I'm like 18 years old at this time I wrote this long letter full of F-bombs to my employees about how it was horrible they didn't do their job and how this wasn't done the vacuuming this the dusting this wow <laughs> I was awful and he quit he said that he's never been spoken to that way before and this man <laughs> his name was Kevin I still feel horrible about it sounds like what you did it may have been harsh but effective I guess so you know? I guess wow. so he might have been one of our best employees though actually he had every reason of course why those like stupid things on my list weren't done yeah. um, it I was guess, busy <laughs> I guess also being so young you must have run across people from your school coming in or like oh my ex-boyfriend's dad was the best one. Oh my god yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it was when the like in the first few weeks I was working there even, so I was still like behind the counter in like a little sundress or something. Yeah. And uh and this man walks in and and the way it was set up is you got a straight aisle straight to the counter where I was. Um but then there's a uh, rows you can kinda of hide behind. So he walks in, looks up, oh, and then he takes a hard right in behind the rows. Yeah. And uh and I said, Oh hi there, you know, I just so because our You job, call him out right away. Well I I, oh, you didn't I know. didn't use his name. I just okay. said, I, I knew it was him. I did I was like, Oh hi there. And I'm just trying to be professional and, you know, my job is to come around the counter and ask someone what they're looking for and what type of movie they're interested in, who they're watching it with. Like it was a very... You're there to sell a product. Absolutely. The best way you yeah, can. Yeah. And they would send in mystery shoppers. Like they made sure we were good at selling the product. For okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Because you had to get membership. It was $59.95 to get a membership to be allowed to rent your first movie. It was expensive too. It was oh like for God. that time, it was, it was high end. Can video you believe dealings. it? Kids today would be like, are you mad? Yeah. That's insane. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so this man walks in and he turns the corner and then within seconds he just goes out again, like leaves right away. Yeah. Um, but of course, information's at my fingertips. I type in his information into our computer and I can see that, yes, of course, he's been a customer you there for see, years. And I'm, I'm sure the entire history of rentals, <laughs> if yeah, you wanted to yeah, go there. Yeah, yeah, I could. I could. And it sounds like you did that for a while. Did that go on while you were in university? Yeah, yeah, you for did? a little bit. And uh, and I, I don't remember why it was I quit. I think... That's how I decided to be an actor. I was standing in Alice Only Video one day. <laughs> That's actually when it came to me. Yeah, because I took a year off school to work at the porn store. Um, right. I went to university for the one year. I was going to be a teacher. <laughs> and uh, and I turned 18 over that year. My birthday is December. So I didn't start working at the porn store until halfway through my first year of university. Okay. Um, and I, I just like wasn't enjoying the education program. I wasn't enjoying how they were teaching us to teach. Um, I was, uh, it just felt like I was, it was too much of the system. It was too systematized. It was too, um, I didn't appreciate the way that they saw the students. And this is probably just the way that a couple of professors were speaking, but I thought they were brainwashing me to brainwash kids was what I got from it. Really? I was was probably the only one that got that from it, but that was my worry of the, just how they were teaching us to teach. And, and, um, I didn't feel it was very inclusive. There were lots of students and kids that I could imagine who wouldn't fit into this model of teaching. They were asking us to, to learn and to, to use. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I told my parents I was taking a year off school and I was going to work full time. That's how I worked. I, then I worked full time managing these stores. Uh, and it was coming up the end of that year and I knew I had to like decide to go back to school or not. And, and for some reason, standing in there, looking at one of the box covers that made me gag the most, because I still never got over some of the, the stuff that was in the store. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, but that, that theater class, maybe, maybe I could be an actor. And it all seemed so easy at the time. I mean, like... <laughs> exactly. In the industry I was standing in the midst of right then and there, yeah. female actors were all over the place. I mean, these people are actors. Yeah. So what was... What was do you remember the first role you had in the... Mm-hmm. I guess it would have been university. It would have been university stuff. Like but I know it takes a while, right, to actually be in a production. Um, you did scene work for your first couple of years. You went and saw some plays. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then your third year, if you're in third year honors, you, you auditioned. Yeah, then you do an actual play. And so um, as a class, you're directed in, 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 a, in a play production. Um, we did a fun play called... Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I think. Mm-hmm. And I got to play two characters. We had to double cast. So on every even night, I'd be one character. On the odd nights, I was a different character. So actors had a chance to play different roles. It wasn't just the same wow. thing all the time, which was That's great fun. right? Yeah, For yeah. Sure. For my, in my second year, I had this great moment where um, my uh, my... I was coming to the scene mad one day and, uh, and the professor kept stopping me and saying like, why are you smiling? I'm like, I'm not smiling. I'm very mad. And he's like, no, you're smiling the whole time. And 
I'm right. like, oh, right. Okay, I'm actually not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm just excited that I feel like I'm doing it, so I'm smiling. It's working. Yay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, like, you don't know. You should be very angry. Um, and so, like, moments of that where I kind of went, oh, right, like humility going, oh, right, I'm not doing it. I'm excited to be here. It's growing on me, but I still wasn't doing well by any stretch, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and I still knew that really I was there to try and get over myself. And, uh, and, and I do, you still do presentations. You're still taking more than just theater classes. So I had to do a, a, um, a presentation in theater history. I remember going home that day to my partner at the time and saying like, it was the worst experience ever. I had to read the whole thing. I had like my, my head in the paper the entire time. I sound like I was going to cry. I was stuttering. I couldn't oh even see the paper. I was still very nervous to be up in front of people as myself. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and my partner was just like, no, well, you either need to stop complaining about this problem or you need to just do it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, kind of gave me the last out. He's like, I don't want to hear you complain ever again about not being able to do these things, about the stress you're, you're under. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you just need to do it or like drop out. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, thank you for no sympathy, but some hard reality. That's great. Right, right. Slap totally in the face. Yeah. Yeah. But, but still though, I still don't do well being myself. Um, I, I like, that's why I like acting is to not be myself. And right. That's do you find this uncomfortable right now? I was very nervous. Yourself, it is. I was very nervous coming today. Yeah, for sure. I thought what wow. I would end up doing is trying to be too funny and, <laughs> and, and just be my insecure self. Cause I think that's what happens. Well, when you're I, doing great. <laughs> you know, I feel the same way too. Whenever I do this, I'm yeah. like, Oh God, is this working? Is this like throughout the whole thing? And then of course, like, I just don't like people knowing how much of an idiot I am. And like, right. just to hear me speak for five minutes, you, yeah. you get the gist. You know? <laughs> or, or you embrace that though, right? I think that's part of the, the <laughs> thing true. that like growing up, I feel like I've been able to do that more. I used to be really nervous to even like, I couldn't call for a pizza. I had to write down exactly what I was ordering mm-hmm. and exactly, hi there. I would like to order <laughs> oh, gosh, a, like it was, I was, I was very nervous. Hello there. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah. But I think over the years, I've just really embraced being able to feel like a fool and public. Right, um, right. Whether that's making a bad dad joke, because my dad's always saying right. strange things to strangers all the time. I've now become that person who is socially awkward. Yeah. yeah, really? Yeah, cool. yeah. It's saying weird things to strangers or, um, so yeah, yeah I, I do that now when I normally wouldn't have growing up. That's, that's, that's really cool. Well, do you remember your first Fringe Festival? Yes, I think. It was a show I did with some people from university. Your own production company? Or like no, one year was, your friends got together, you auditioned? I think a couple of them wrote it. A guy named Joey Scream was his pen name, and his real life name is Glenn Hall. Um, he wrote this show, and people that I was in university with performed in it with me. Right. And, uh, and we did consider doing acid for the last performance, but we never did. Yeah, we never did it at all. Uh, but, uh, you ever been on acid on, in a role? No, that's an no. interesting question right there yeah. since you brought it up. Oh, I would never do that. I no, accidentally I, ate a pot brownie before going on stage once about like 15 years or more or so yeah. ago. And it was terrifying. It was the same experience I had like in grade six when everything just went white and I wasn't sure what was going on. I couldn't recall if I, and, I, and it was, it was an accident. I went to a, a shop in town at the time and it was a hemp shop. Mm-hmm. I did order some food, but I had no idea it would have anything in it. And I'm sure it, it must have because uh, I, I left the stage and I apologized to my fellow actors saying, I'm so sorry I didn't say all that, like my, my speech, I'm so sorry I didn't say it. Yeah. And they were like, no, you, you did say it. It's <laughs> like, oh, shoot. Short-term yeah. memory loss on yeah. that one. Yeah, it was terrifying. What was the play? Do you remember the play, that one? Uh, it was for Albie Fest and it was called The Sandbox. The Sandbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bradley Swatsky was in like a little tiny bathing suit oh, lifting weights awesome. the entire time. <laughs> It was, was great. Sorry, so he was in a little tiny bathing suit. Yeah, like a speedo, uh, standing in a tiny sandbox. It was this very um, abstract, surreal, um, absurd play. Right. Uh, and he he said stuff too. I don't recall what, but he was standing in a sandbox, lifting weights in a speedo the entire play. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And Jeff Skinner was in it, and I think Talia Pura was in it as well. Wow. They were like mummy and daddy or something, and I was a daughter, and we were going to the beach to bury one of them who was about to die. Yeah. That's all I remember. Yeah. What are but, some uh, some of your favorite roles that you've taken on at the Fringe? Oh. Um, I know that's a big question. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I, um, as far as Fringe goes, uh, Ginny Collins wrote two plays called The Good Daughter and Prairie Spirits. Yeah. Uh, they were what, Prairie Spirits was a sequel to The Good Daughter, and so I got to play a woman named Laurel. Same uh, character in both? Yeah. Sweet. And it was uh, about this family of like rum runners in uh, the turn of the century, Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was great. Like My first line was, fuck. Um, <laughs> Beauty. <laughs> it was awesome. And that was the first play. And the first thing I got to do with the top of Prairie Spirits, I got to my, my time waiting in the wing was amassing as much spit as I possibly could in my mouth because right. then we would, it would go dark and I would go to my place and lights would come up and I was scraping old labels off our old bottles Yeah, and then yeah. I would just like spit and then keep like scrubbing the bottle right. and, uh, and it would be... I knew it was a winning day if, like, the spit would drip and hit the floor and make a big spot, you know? And you could hear the audience go, oh. oh yeah, but that was... Disgusting. That was, yeah. yeah, you want to get that it reaction. Was great. Yeah, like, my character wore rubber boots, you know, and we were, like, just lugging crates of stuff, and we accidentally killed Ma. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's about trying to hide Ma's body and <laughs> <laughs> and killing other people along the way. It was very dark comedy. Right, and, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. Do you, you like the French then? You like the Winnipeg French Festival performing I, I do, there? You've also yeah. done the kids' I, shows, the kids' films. I have, yeah, with yeah, your my husband family. And your family, and I, your whole family. My is whole family performed. did it, yeah. Well, did a well show. tell me about that show. Yeah, um, it was called Etoile. Uh, and uh, our daughter. French, French. Well, yeah, yeah, um, which means star. Uh, so basically, it was the story of a young local girl uh, brought up by a homeschooling family who escapes to go and be discovered in Hollywood. She her her family doesn't want her to do the school play because it's maybe not a good idea. Mm-hmm. But she auditions for the school play anyway. Gets the role of Annie. Gets discovered by some Hollywood scout, right. and then goes to uh, to L.A. Like the actual Annie. Broadway show, yeah. like she gets the role of that. When she gets the role of Annie in her school play, and somehow there's a there's a talent scout there who right. then like Hollywood calls, and then she goes to Hollywood and finds out that they're all monsters and it's terrible. And it sounds like kind of a play where you're doing you know more than one character as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, like we wrote the play together, the three of us, like mm-hmm. myself and my husband Carl Thorderson and yeah. my daughter Sativa Kalkami. We wrote it, and we just had our new baby Ziganer Zukanen. Uh, so Tiva wanted to do a play with us for the longest time, and we were for, so for years she had to do she had to train. We said like just like if you were the daughter of a musician, you don't get to like make your own album. You have to still take classes. You have to do things. Yeah, you know, you acquire the skill for sure. And because she always was such a very shy kid, we we're like there's no way you're gonna leave us on stage while you're in the wings going mm, mm, I can't do this. I don't know. So <laughs> <laughs> right. So like no, you're you you're training out there right now. Totally. That's what it would have been. I didn't want to be that monster. So we we made her go to M2IP for some classes and some camps. And then just she so was for in people who don't know, Manitoba Theater for Young People. Yeah, yeah. Just want to get that out there. Go ahead. M2IP. It's great. M type. We are both alumni. Yeah, it's where we met. Yeah. But anyway, I interrupted. Go ahead. So as a drama educator, I did feel that I could also sort of, and I directed the show as well. Um, I felt I could probably direct a kid to be a better actor, but when it's your own daughter, it's a different relationship. Um, and, uh, so when she'd taken a few classes and been in like a company that did a real show at, at MTYP, uh, then we said, okay, we'll apply for the fringe. We can do this. And we had a Mm -hmm. brand new baby at home. And so it worked out really well to start the show. Uh, we all played different characters. Um, and you brought your son on stage. Yeah. So the start of the show (laughs) was me with a big pregnancy belly and, and, Sativa, who was eight at the time, uh, she was playing this uh, this French um, mime instructor, and we're in France at at a mime school. So Carl and I are this mom and dad. I'm pregnant, and we're trying to do like these mime moves that this teacher is teaching us. And she gets all mad. We're not doing it right, and she stomps off. Right, and then I right. go into labor. So we have this labor dance, and then oh oh oh, I have this baby, and then suddenly um, this nurse, played by Tiva, her second character already, she comes out as a nurse dragging our little boy, but in a dress, looking like a little girl, onto stage. Right, right. And then right. we pick the baby up and like oh. We're going to call her 812 and we have this little dance with the baby but then uh, the dad character and the mom character don't get along we, we fight over the kid like we're because um, I think it, it, let's name her 812 she's going to be a star and the dad oh no the, right the dad was a failed actor so the dad would want to name oh, her 812 she was going to be a star hardship. yeah she and he wanted Doesn't to pour want to all of his dreams her. no he wanted to pour all of his dreams into her he wanted to, that's why she's named 812 oh. she's going to be a star and I was like no 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 she will not be a star she's not doing this she is not going to go That I, I see you always auditioning for community theater. It's not going well, hun. Our daughter will not follow in your footsteps. And so we fight about her. 
scene ends and then we fast forward to eight years later where sativa is now playing a 12 sitting in the same bassinet in the like a giant version of the dress that zig had on and so right. we now know that it's eight years later and we had a little card on the side like old timey movie that style that is the coolest thing. yeah that is yeah. so cool for sure and they played each other then and then uh it was the first set i designed too i think actually and uh and so we had this great little movable set mm-hmm. um and then carl and i both played some hollywood types as well uh as we went through um i played the talent scout that discovered uh the young girl and then i also played the this old like grand dam of Hollywood who just was like she was trying to help her out in the toothpaste commercial I'm like listen honey this is how I did it when I was your age and, but yeah. she's probably drunk and she's probably like a bit of she's a mishandling she's definitely a little yeah. tipsy for sure it's <laughs> amazing yeah. it's great yeah it's just yeah. so nice to have everyone involved in the family it was great it was wow. it was a huge amount of work and I can't believe we ever did it especially with a baby in the house um, and we sat around like Tiva helped us write the script as well it was Carl and I mm-hmm. together essentially writing it yeah. um, and but we'd sit with Tiva and we'd, we'd write together and get ideas, and it, it was a huge, huge in, endeavor. And uh, you, you uh, started teaching at Prairie Theater Exchange too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. So I've, I've uh, taught at MTYP, and I've also taught at PTE, um, and both like places where young people, or uh, in, in PTE's case, adults come to uh, to learn about theater and mm-hmm. film and, and, and whatnot. And so I ended up over the years working at PTE a bit more, just because I was teaching adults. And and uh, you and find it easier, of course. There's not so much. Uh, horseplay and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do like teaching adults for sure. Um, uh, I don't like the environment at Prairie Theater Exchange. Is it's neat to be in Portage Place, um, despite maybe a popular opinion. I do love that mall. Right, right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, it has a very bad uh, name. It does. You know? um, but I think it's got a lot to yeah. offer, and it's really it's a community service is what that mall is offering at this point in time, and I think it's important that it's there, yeah. especially in winter. Yeah, you need a place to warm up. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and that piano on the main floor is the best thing ever. That's the best thing that mall has ever done. I wrote a love letter to the mall once. And I just thanked it profusely for that piano and what it does for people passing by and for people who play it. Because it, it was interesting to me that they let the piano come in because they were so adamant about those signs on the planters, do not sit here, do not sit here. They, they didn't want any loitering for so long. They tried to um, deny the fact that that mall is really where people who want a place to congregate are going to congregate. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so all these planters with don't sit here signs and and stories of, of security at the time years ago, um, you know, um, asking elders who were like having serious health concerns to, to get up and leave regardless of their health situation. Really? I don't Some remember that. Some poor treatment yeah, for sure. Have, they've hired okay. a different. They hired a different security company now, I believe. So right. it's and it's maybe a security company that hires a lot of indigenous folks too. I think, mm-hmm. um, but it's a bit more in touch with the neighborhood. Um, but they had a reputation at Portage Place for not doing the, the right thing all the time or the best thing all the time. Yeah. Um, and that piano kind of changed things. And I think that I don't, even if you were working security there and you had it in your head that there's some people you don't like around there, you're trying to get those folks you don't like out or something. Right. Um, seeing those folks that you think are the bad guys come and sit and play classical music uh, off by, by heart for hours at a time is pretty affirming. Yeah. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I see that piano used by um, all kinds of like kids who seem to be in music lessons and they come there to practice actually maybe kids are taking music lessons who don't have a piano at home mm-hmm. or their piano yeah. at home is being used by brothers and sisters and, or sure. parents don't want the noise or something you know yeah. so it's used for serious people come with their books and they sit there and they practice the echo must be crazy it's like, it sounds yeah. really neat yeah I and people sing people st- stand around and sing together mm-hmm. um, I've seen people write songs on that piano where they're just kind of figuring things out and tinkering around and, yeah. and sometimes they're actually like their voice comes out too it's do beautiful. they move it outside in the summer or like I there was remember. A, yeah there was a summer where there were pianos all around town. It started with Maybe that. that's it, yeah. And then all those pianos um, went somewhere else after whatever that was. There was some event in Winnipeg one summer where they, as a, a like a city art project or public art project, right. put pianos out. Right, um, But Portage Place kept theirs. And, uh, and it's lovely. It's, uh, there's, there's some neat folks, like some homeless guys that will come and play it. And like right. you can tell how genius they really mm-hmm. are. Well, now um, I see why you wrote a letter. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a positive thing. Yeah, Just by yeah. one little instrument that hanging out in the middle of That makes me cry every time someone sits at it. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, you've worked in uh, films. I mean, we don't really... Mm-hmm. You, do you have an agent? I know, no, when, I, I know Manitoba doesn't really do the agent thing. We do we have casting do. directors. We do, yeah. But but like an, an agent is someone who would advocate for you and help you get a different or better rate. Right. Or and I know some actors in the city have agents in other yeah. provinces, right? Yeah. Like Toronto... 
I think that's how it works. I don't believe that we have um, a lot of agents in Winnipeg right now. I think if you have an agent, it's someone who's elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, Winnipeg is what, in Hollywood North? Or is that... I've heard that term, but that's not Winnipeg, is it? Is that Vancouver? Um, I think that might be Vancouver. Yeah. Do you remember working with, say, like a a Hollywood actor that you were kind of surprised to to be with on a set? Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, I had the chance last summer to to work with Christopher Walken and Christina Ricci. Get the hell out of here. Wow. Now, those are not only like... Mm. um, big names, but yeah. the kind of names you'd want to be in a room with, right? Yeah. Christina yeah. Ricci, oh God, I love I her. Yeah. Walken's a legend. What yeah. was that like? Mm-hmm. Uh, Walken, no talking. He wasn't very talking. Walken, no talking. What about Christina? She was really sweet, for sure. Ricci, um, sweet, sweetie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and there's no slight against Mr. Walken, but um, I, he was he was playing uh, the role of uh, Percy Schmeiser, who um, is a real life character farmer in Saskatchewan who went up and fought Monsanto in the courts, uh, or Monsanto fought him for I don't Monsanto know. Monsanto being story. a grain, yeah, the grain corporate, yes, corporation. Yeah. I know a little of this story. It probably circulated mm-hmm. in the news when they were filming here. It did, yeah, and it was a big news story many years before when it all happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Christopher Walken, who's typically a character actor, interestingly enough was cast to play this like regular guy kind of farmer. So um, I I can only imagine that he was under a lot of stress and his workload was huge. And so I don't take it personally that he wasn't really looking to engage with me, the local Winnipeg actor who was only there for a day. For sure. Uh, I totally understand that. Um, But it always is kind of weird, right? You go, you're going to meet someone and you've got this expectation of like what they're going to do. And you're ready to ask them a question if you get the opportunity and you're ready to talk about yourself if you get the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, But that did not happen. Um, We did have a scene together. Um, Which is nice. Our Very characters cool. did not look at each other. Okay. What about yeah. Chris, uh, Christina? Yeah, Ricci. yeah. She um, like whereas Christopher was going to his trailer between every take, he was just I think just prepping and just needing to stay focused. Um, yeah, and that's uh, the other side of the coin too. For when sure. it comes to actors, they're not going to necessarily mingle when they're no, it's not his job, job necessarily, and it's right. not you know if if it was his film that he also wrote and produced or something, then mm-hmm. I think he has Different the onus story. to be a bit more of a host. Right. But just because he's cast in a lead role does not mean he has to also be the caretaker to all these little local actors that, you know, uh, so right. I totally respect that. Yeah. And who knows why he was going back to his trailer all the time. Cause most people don't, you do typically stick around, you know? Yes. Um, yes. but he might've just had it. That's what he's working with or something. Uh, who knows how, what his process is. And I sure. don't want to judge that. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, but Christina was like hanging out more on, on set or around. Like we get a little, a tenty thing in the back when you're, when you leave the diner you're shooting in, there's yeah, a little black, services, yeah, kinda. or a little black tent where you've got the tall chairs for the actors, you know? Nice. Um, so we'd hang out there in between uh, when people are doing other work that didn't involve us. Um, and she was super sweet. Very, very nice. Yeah. Are you uh, you down for a money shot? I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Excellent. That's what I want to hear. It's the Manitoba Money Shot Podcast. So it is time to ask you, Dana, Leotold, 100 questions within five minutes. Okay. Can you do this? Yes. Yeah, 90% have to be right. No, don't worry. They're not hard questions. It's not hard trivia. It's basically, okay. uh, what's your favorite this, uh, this or that, fill in the blank. Okay. Um, easy stuff. But as I said, 90% have to be correct. I'm not handing over the money shot just to anybody who's just going to go blah, blah, blah. And you know, you, you got to have, you got to answer these questions. For sure. Relatively honestly. Cool. For you, Dana Leotold, tonight's money shot is. <gasps> $12.12 is a lot of money, Dana. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. I've been working on my walking. Good luck, Dana. Hail Satan. What goes in a hole? A golf ball. Have you been to prison? No. Yes, I have. What's your favorite uh, color? Green. Favorite restaurant in Winnipeg? Chisabi? No, it's not true. I don't know what to say. It's not true. Come on. <laughs> um, um, you can't um, admit it's not true. <laughs> it's a silly answer. It. I like it there. I like Tromacon too. Um, Come on. I need an answer. Favorite um, restaurant in Winnipeg? Um, 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 blue, blue fish sushi? Blue fish sushi. That's okay, boxes answer. or breeze? Boxers. We really got to speed it up now. Radio station you frequently frequently listen to? Um, UMFM. Name an automobile company. It was a Hyundai. Have you golfed in the last year? No. Name a black and white film. No, nah, something with Marilyn Monroe in it. Favorite Disney character? I don't I do not do Disney at all. I fucking hate Disney. <laughs> Name something really big. A, a, a tower. A go-to, go, your go-to candy bar. 
Um, oh, um, it's got peanut butter in it. It's going to be yellow. The pressure is amazing. Um, uh, well, well um, anything not minute. Nestle. Um, Say it again. Anything not Nestle. Okay, name a Canadian singer. Alanis Morissette. Name a DJ. Co-op. How many ghosts in Pac-Man? Chase Pac-Man. Eight. Uh, what's a good name for a dog? Buster. What's a bad name for a dog? Buster. <laughs> what name a band from the 80s? Bananarama. Name a Canadian celebrity. Corey Hart. Do you shovel snow? Yes. Lightning or thunder? Lightning. Can you hum? Mm. Have you ever mixed a cow? Have I what? Have you ever milked a cow? Mm, yeah, no. Name an element from the periodic table. Orum. How many bikes have you owned in a lifetime? How many bikes? Yes. Oh, 15. Name a character from TV. Name a character from TV's All in the Family. Uh, Archie Bunker? Yes. Name a Stephen King novel. It. Uh, where was TV's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air born and raised? Philadelphia. Oh, okay. <laughs> the musical instrument you're best at playing. Saxophone. Name a Jedi Knight. Luke Skywalker. Name a Winnipeg Park. Uh, King's Park. Have you been inside a treehouse? Yes. To be or not, not to, to be. be? Not to be. Okay. Favorite sport to play? Um, um, uh, roller derby. Favorite sport to watch? Mm, Good answer, by the way. Roller derby. <laughs> <laughs> Do dogs cry tears? Yes. Wrong. Last uh, book read. <laughs> Last book read. Is that I'm, a tough one? I'm currently reading Percy Jackson. Okay. Uh, Carmen Carmen or Winkler? Mm, Winkler. <laughs> Winkler. Yeah, baby. Last band last band you saw live. <gasps> um Justin Timberlake. Does that count? He does, sure, there was a band. Count, I sure. made it what time did you wake up today? <gasps> Seven o'clock. Name a uh, um, uh, name something you have. Name something you have milk with all the time. The- Coffee. Okay. okay. Uh, do you talk to plants? Yes. What do you put on toast? Uh, peanut butter. Name a flavor of tea. Uh, chamomile. One word to describe my apartment. Um. You don't have to be nice. Posterful. Name a video game console. Uh, Xbox. Do you like camping? Yes. Name a Tonight Show host. Johnny Carson. Name something with cherries. Pie. Last play you saw. Uh, Red Earth. Name a bird that can't fly. Uh, penguin. Name a Winnipeg uh, bar that doesn't exist anymore. The Albert. Uh, red or white wine. Red. First film you saw in the theater. Oh, I have no idea. Oh, that 2001 Space Odyssey. Maybe. Beauty. Name a side dish. Um, uh, peas. Peas. Very good. Name a flavor of potato chip. <laughs> Barbecue. Have you been to a wet t-shirt contest? Yeah, I won. <laughs> Most you've won at poker. Um, no, never. Have you ever dined at the keg? Yeah. Oh, geez, Louise. Mustard or relish? Relish. Do you like sitcoms? Yeah. What is your favorite drink? Uh, martini. How many, uh, how many scoops do you like on a cone? Three. Favorite food uh, ever? Sushi. Uh, what can't you live without? Ooh, marijuana. Nice. Do, uh, do you like hot sauce? Yeah. Do you like Nirvana? Yeah. Name a Beastie Boy. Oh, Adam. That's two of them. Very <laughs> good. Uh, do you have? Uh, do, you, do you do you have freckles? No. Do you have a dog? No. Do you have a cat? No. Do you have a bunny? No. That's my uh, favorite dessert. Mm, cake. What are you afraid of? The dark. A trend you miss. Uh, leg warmers. Would you rather have a beard or a mustache? 15 seconds. Beard. Ha- uh, name a kind of grape. Uh, Concord. Uh, <laughs> parallel parking. Be- beginner or expert? Expert. Spiders or bees? Uh, bees. Ever seen a Canadian beaver live? Yes. Favorite keg uh, on a... Ke- favorite key on a keyboard? Uh, C. Ah, shit. That's done. Oh, how many did we get through? Uh, 80. That's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. But, that's not oh, bad. I a very you know, slow start. That is all me. Like I just, there was a couple there. I'm like, I can't read my handwriting. You know, I write this all out and I'm thinking I got this. And then, yeah, learned a lot yeah. in that moment there, in those, in those moments. So I didn't win the 12-12, but, uh, you know, okay. I mean, that, you're just bringing it up for the next guest. Just bankrolling it for next time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, you. <laughs> Thank you. For coming on the show, uh, before you go, yeah. I want to know, 
what you've been working on lately? Because we, mm-hmm. we talk, there's so much we miss. There's so much about uh, your acting and stories that we didn't even touch on here. But you've worked on the Red Earth lately. Yeah, the yeah. Red so I, I design as well. For and theater. where was that? That was at PTE? It was at PTE. It was a theater project show, so part of theater project season, but a one trunk production. So one trunk theater yeah. uh, partnered with theater projects and then they partnered with PTE to present the show. Wow, that's yeah. a lot of partners. It is. Uh, theater projects, yeah. Manitoba. That mm-hmm. is like getting really high class now, right? Like yeah. they've been around for a while and they I'm produce amazing stuff. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, it right. says a wonderful, wonderful theater company. Um, Who heads that up? Artith Boxel. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Rhea Kavanaugh. Okay. Uh, they together managed Two the big names yeah. in this city for mm-hmm. sure. And they do great work. Um, so it was neat. It was great for me. Like I've designed for many companies in town so far, but mostly independent companies. So this right. was my first um, time working with one of the bigger theater companies in town. Um, right. So which really hit me going into rehearsals like, oh, right, design presentation day. There's not just going to be me and a couple of you who's like looking at my sketches and my little maquette here. There's going to be people that matter. Right. Um, and the folks from PTE came as well. And so as someone who's a new designer on, on, on the scene, really, uh, it was a little stressful, but a good opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With it just like basically they just said, okay, we want your vision. Or was there a lot of input? They're like, okay, well, you know, is that how it works? Well, every project's different. Uh, And in this one, it was really tricky. We did a workshop two years ago for Red Earth already. And I was brought in as a designer at that point. Uh, And the workshop, uh, like it's done through a devised theater sort of um, uh, formula. There's not a formula. I don't know what I'm looking for. Uh, But devised theater. So uh, talking with actors and directors and other people on the design team to figure out how best to produce or to present a story. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've been in there with workshops before, but it's a heavy tech show. It's all a comic book being brought to life. So yeah, um, as a designer, my job was to create projection services essentially that we mm-hmm. can project upon. So the actors would appear behind these scrims, uh, and when there was a certain kind of projection on it, the actors would appear to be in the comic book. So you have like a, a stagnant picture that the actors then are in and, and acting with, or the picture's not always stagnant. There was an animator on the team as well yeah. who would take the artist's renderings and animate them. So um, it's it's space or on Mars. And so when they would want to use a touch screen, for instance, they could mime in front of them. They were touching a screen and all these cool graphics would come up, you know? Right, uh, there right, was a body right. scan. One of the actors stood there and they sort of see like her silhouette projected on the screen in front and her body turning around and they do like a, a, um, a health checkup, a, a medical scan. So the, like the magic was not my job. My job was to create a really interesting set, but really basically it was made of scaffolding and, and actors stood in different spots with different boxes. So it, you could look, it looked like it was a comic book and actors wow. were in different places and they could come out in front as well. I got to design some But awesome that would have been your suits, vision so. is what I'm getting at. Like yeah. someone was telling you what you they needed for a set or was that you're like, this is what I was thinking would mm-hmm. be appropriate? Well, we knew it needed to look like a comic book, sort of. We knew there needed to be two stories. The director, Andreas Artisan, wanted to have two floors for sure. So that's why we had to be at PTE. We had to have a, a, a venue that was... Uh, a high enough ceiling yeah. that we could make it at least two stories. Cool. Um, and then at PTE, it's, it's a thrust stage. So there's audience on all three sides, oh, yeah, which doesn't right. work for projection. Right. So no, uh, so my big idea was to make that then part of the set so that the audience ever only sat in front of the stage and the side uh, seats were all covered in paper. So the concept was that it was uh, an artist's sort of workshop. So yeah, I did set props and costumes for, for that show. Uh, and fun, it was all grayscale. So I got to design some awesome spacesuits, but they had to all be in different... Um, like gray, black, or white, right. essentially. And, and why you're doing this, you also, uh, and we didn't even touch on it, you work for Green Kids. Yeah. Green Kids, yeah. which, uh, if you don't know, is a, a theater company which focuses on environmental issues. And they've been around for a good two decades, two yeah, and a half. 27 years. 27 years. years. Yeah. And you've been with them since the beginning. Uh, almost. I've been uh, with Green Kids for 24 years. 24 years. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. And, but <clears throat> initially, you were an actor. Yeah. An actor in yeah. the show. Do you remember the show? The first show I did with Green Kids was, was it the Lorax? Um, because we weren't about ripping anyone Seuss? off at that point in time. Yeah, you ripped yeah. off Dr. Seuss? <laughs> um, that may have been the second show I did. Um, Talk about but, recycling. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's reusing. Um, reusing, repurposing. <laughs> and reducing the need to hire a new playwright. Exactly, um, bingo. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, we, uh, Green Kids initially was a bunch of activists who maybe had a little bit of a theater background, maybe mm-hmm. not even, who just wanted to go into schools and educate about the environment. So uh, the first few shows I did with them were sketch comedy at best, maybe, 
maybe. Yeah. Um, not written by anyone who's really in the theater community. Yeah. No, um, when the actors. We would write it ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. But so the, the names would are they still around? Uh, one, some anyone of our, you remember? Yeah, uh, Nelson Tomei. I went to school with him. Uh, yeah. He was one of the first. He was before me. One of the first green kids. Um, Paul Anthony, who Paul Anthony, yeah, yeah, lives out in Vancouver now. He Huge, was one of the first talented. grandkids as well. Yeah, yeah. You can find him on Prime Video. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was one of the first. Um, and those are the only folks I'm still really in contact with For now, sure. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and were many you just more. doing it every year? Uh, I did uh, three out of four years of touring with Green Kids, like way back in, in 98 or 99, I would have started, I guess. Touring schools yeah. in Winnipeg? Uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yeah. And, oh. and around Manitoba. Yeah. Okay, yeah. very cool. Mm-hmm. Very much like artists in residence. Very much, yeah. Okay. But it's, we'd be like, do, we do like two shows a day. So one school in the morning, one school in the afternoon. Yeah. So you're yeah. going to the school just doing a show at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, do that then, for a few years. Yeah. And then over after my third tour with Green Kids, there was a need for office person. There's someone in the office was leaving or something. And uh, the president of the board just turned and said like, well, what are you doing this summer? You wanted to, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I ended up working in the office. Uh, took time off for when each of my kids were born. But eventually it, I, it, I kept getting pulled back in. Someone would contact me and say, like, there's no one to run green kids. Maybe you want to do it. Like, exactly. Ah, okay. They just put, they hit the pause button while you're gone. Yeah. And you yeah. just kind of picked well, it back up. People did still keep working for the company as it right. went on. But uh, as you know, because you've done green kids tours too. I did in 2006, 2008. I did the tour, not only Manitoba, we did Western Canada. That's and right. uh, that was great. That was so much fun. Great yeah. uh, working with the people. And I love doing the schools. And I wasn't so much acting. I was doing the technical, uh, mm-hmm. doing the technical aspect of, of, uh, uh, the audio and video elements because it's a it's a high profile show. Like yeah, it was at kids. the time too. We had a big video screen and so it was yeah. lots of sound and video. I got to perform in front of Woody Harrelson. That's right. Woody yeah. was on the team then. It was great in Vancouver. Yeah. He came to one of the school shows yeah. and it was uh, he was really nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't remember talking to him. I was too like oh too shy, too shy to go to celebrity. <laughs> it's also that mentality sure. of like. You know, if you do, if you do acting and you you're working background, or it's like you know they're like they usually they'll remind you you don't talk to the actors, <laughs> don't right. let, don't bug them. Yeah, you know don't go up and ask for an autograph and all that. So just because I've done so much of that, I always get that whenever there is a name in the room, I'm sure. not going to approach them unless I absolutely <laughs> have to, right? But yeah. he was nice. He did say hi. Yeah, no, he was very nice. He was on our on our side. He was he donated money to Green Kids for years. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, that's yeah. his thing. He's environmentally mm-hmm. uh, friendly, as it were. Yeah. Um, and you're still with them. I am, yeah. So my official title is the executive director, uh, which means that I try and apply for as much funding as we can to keep the place going. We have no overhead funding, so it's a struggle always. You know, we're not yeah. a company that has a continuous income, uh, but we do uh, still get out to hundreds of schools a year, ideally. Um, some years a little less than others, some years more. Right, uh, we right. just got back from Toronto, and uh, and previous to that, out to BC and back again too. So we're we're out there. We're we're still doing stuff. That's great. That's mm-hmm. great. Uh, that's so impressive. You're still with the company obviously yeah. you believe in a good cause you're all about the environment yourself yeah. so why not uh, you know keep it going through them and upcoming what's on the horizon for you Dana uh, besides I'm, acting yeah <laughs> yeah I uh, my, I'm doing uh, this was a big design year for me so uh, so I just finished uh, Red Earth and now I'm working with Shakespeare in the Ruins on Hamlet uh, so yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. So Have I'm you doing set in costumes. Yeah, last year I, I designed Time of Athens uh, for Shakespeare in the Ruins, and mm-hmm. also set in costumes and props. So um, like it's always at the ruins, but it's a it's a fun job in that you get to take a look at at the ruins proper and decide if that is your set, where yeah. all the scenes going to take place, and then how do you dress the ruins? And the ruins, um, by the way, we're talking yeah. about the they've always been, uh, or lately they've been at the Saint Norbert Monastery. Yeah, right, that's it. which is mm-hmm. a really cool. Uh, little place that uh, I don't know if too many people know about in the city, but like uh, definitely growing up in the South End, that's where you went to drink. Well, I did too. From <laughs> St. James, you we went all the way there for sure. Oh, really? Yeah, Take yeah, a special absolutely. trip? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I mean, because it's kind of like, it's basically, you just, uh, it's ruins. It's these walls um, and not a lot of security. No, no, there was none. There used to be when I was growing up, people that lived in the big house there. And so if you were loud enough, you'd see some lights go on and they'd like scream you to leave or something. Yeah. But the cops um, never came? 
No, I don't think so. No, no. I don't remember them yeah. being, a, being an issue. And, and it still is a place for kids to go now. So it's a challenge when we go out to work there. There's broken glass everywhere because oh, kids no. do go out there. And, you, and you've got actors doing fight scenes and stuff. It's um, I don't know if you know how Hamlet ends, but there is a big fight and people die. Yeah, no so, spoilers, uh, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers. So uh, someone dies. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, there's actors who are rolling around on the ground and doing all kinds of awesome fight choreography. But there's mm-hmm. glass because it's a party place, too. So that's the only downfall if there is. Out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. They've got a really great following as far as audiences, and I I hope new year new people coming out every year to the ruins as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a great company to get to work with. They really uh, they know how to do <clears throat> promenade theater, and it's a very specific thing that isn't done very often in other cities. Yeah. Um, they've got a really great formula at play, and it's uh, it's great people. They provide the chairs. It used to be you'd bring your own chair, you sit on a carpet, but over the years, <laughs> SIR has grown to be a, a working machine that's got everything in place. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, <laughs> and then you're just auditioning still. Whatever comes your yeah, way. Yeah, the uh, the rejections for next year are piling up. But uh, so, <laughs> the rejections. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's nice it's when tough. they tell you at least. It's yeah. nice if you get a note saying like, "Hey, your audition was fine and dandy, but someone was better." That's better than not hearing anything and still wondering if you get to show up and do the job. Exactly. So yeah. So, uh, but it's all about fine. getting the audition. Yeah. And then once you do the audition, you just gotta you know see where the the cards lay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember when we were in. Uh, Glad, Happy Rock, Gladstone. Yeah, yeah. Gladstone, Gladstone, we did the, the mm-hmm. residency there. That's right. And then you were like, I got an audition, I got to go. And yeah. you, you kind of left on a, after school. You drove back to uh, Winnipeg, which was three hours, yeah, wasn't it? it? Was Something like three day. hours yeah. just to get that audition in. And then you made it back the next morning. I'm like, that's dedication. Yeah. That's dedication to your craft. Yeah. And you know? never got the job. Like you know, the things <laughs> you, you do, know. right? No, you don't you know. never know. You yeah. never know. Yeah. Well, that's great. Are we forgetting anything? Uh, well, uh, not really. I do have another acting gig coming up I forgot to tell you about. Okay, um, let's, let's hear it. Uh, in two weeks in June, I'll get to do a workshop at MTYP, so back to Manitoba Theatre for Young People. Nice. Um, I get to play Amelia Earhart in a, in, in a workshop what? production. Yeah, get out. yeah. But she comes back as a bird. Which is even more interesting. So you're than in a just bird playing. costume. Uh, well, I think I'm in like an old aviator costume. It's, it's a workshop. <laughs> Dressed as a so bird. Yeah, yeah. So there'll be like a, a, per, a invited performance at the end of the two weeks, but it's not a public showing. There won't be a full design or a full show necessarily. Oh, okay. But okay, um, we're yeah. workshopping it um, with the hope that it becomes something bigger later on. That's really great. You get mm-hmm. in the door early. Thank you again, Dana. Thanks for having I, I, me, Ron. It's so good to see you. Yeah, you too. It's been an excellent conversation. Mm-hmm. I just love it. And I, of course, I love you and your family. All right. Thanks again. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>